the economy. We've heard about it for nearly all our lives. At times, it is referred to with caution. At others, there's a sense of hope and duty. But what are we talking about when we talk about the economy? And why is it so important to us now more than ever? At least for Belize, after more than 30 days with no new cases of COVID-19, the health concerns are slowly subsiding. And even though we are on the lookout for another wave, it is the economic impact of the pandemic that has us all worried. Hello, and welcome to The Gray Spaces, a podcast and blog dedicated to exploring the hazy overlaps of history, culture, politics, and society in Belize. I'm your host, Andre Marsden. In this episode, we'll be talking about the coronavirus pandemic and Belize's economy. We start by taking a look at what the economy is and how it works, including how it was working up to this year. We'll also look at how the COVID-19 pandemic has altered our economy and how these effects might impact each of us on a personal level. You're listening to The Gray Spaces. Although the economy and how it works is spoken about often in the news and newspapers, if you sometimes feel it may be something beyond your understanding, you're not alone. And there's a reason for that. The study of the economy has developed into a complicated language of its own that most people find difficult. With this in mind, we're going to try our best to present these concepts in a way that doesn't seem as though we're speaking a foreign language. We're also going to try to connect these ideas with real people, just like you and I, people from our communities who are trying to cope with all of this. Hopefully, through their experiences, we can get a better understanding of how it's all connected. So let's start at the very beginning. What exactly do we mean when we talk about the economy? Whether we're talking about countries or households, the broad strokes are pretty similar. Money comes in, money goes out. All as a result of the trade of goods, meaning the valuable resources that we generate in some way, or services, the valuable things that we do for others. If it helps, think of our economy as a complicated machine. There are several parts that make this machine work. Each piece in the economic machinery is connected with the other, like a set of interlocking gears in a watch. We produce goods. Those goods go into manufacturing. It also allows us to offer services and provide employment. Employed people have more money to spend on goods and services, which means we have to produce more goods and offer more services and the machinery keeps growing. In Belize, we have a central bank, which in some ways is even more important than it sounds. The central bank's main goals are to ensure the stability of our economy, keep unemployment low, and ensure that on average, the nation can afford the things they need to survive. They do this by setting policies and regulations for doing business in our country. One of the things that our central bank does is keep track of all the trade that takes place within our country, all the buying and spending, and adds it up to make a calculation called the Gross Domestic Product, or GDP. So when you buy groceries at the supermarket or buy a new car, 
Whether you pay for your grass to get cut every month or buy a weed eater and do it yourself, you contribute to the country's GDP. Another important concept is domestic trade, the exchanges we make within the country. It's an important part of the overall system. We provide goods and services in amounts that satisfy the population within our own borders. This internal machinery is also where our government earns the money for the things they have to do. Whenever money exchanges hands, a portion of that trade goes towards the GST, or the general sales tax. And depending on how much money you earn at your job, a portion of the exchange of human labor goes toward income tax and social security. Those taxes, and a few other sources of government income, go towards paying ministers and public officers, but also keep our schools open, pay our police officers and soldiers, fund our museums and libraries, and occasionally fill the potholes in our streets. But as important as domestic trade is, it's mostly outweighed in importance by foreign trade. Our exports, the exchange of goods and services with outsiders, brings fresh money into our economic system. And we use that foreign currency for imports, buying things made in other countries. Another of the functions of our central bank is to make sure there's a foreign currency reserve so that we can continue our external trade even if things aren't that great at home. It's why anyone who wants to do business internationally or send or receive money from family members abroad has to fill out that extra paperwork. And ideally, the central bank is independent from the rest of government, meaning at certain times, they can decide to say enough and limit how much of that foreign money the government can spend. This calculation of spending and earning tends to be so big that we don't talk about it in real numbers year to year. Economists and policymakers go for a more practical approach. They want to know whether the GDP is expanding or contracting, whether businesses and trade in the country is increasing or decreasing, and by how much, which is usually given in terms of percentage. According to the reports from the central bank, for the past few years, things have been okay, but not great. Then again, it hasn't been great for most countries in the world. The Statistical Institute of Belize keeps track of information that might affect Belize's economy and makes it available for agencies like the Central Bank of Belize, but also for any member of the public who's curious enough to go look for it. Diana Castillo-Trejo is the deputy director there. In 2019, we had already seen there were some signs of economic slowdown. The first quarter was strong, agriculture was, was up and tourism was up, but the following three quarters, so the rest of 2019, uh, we saw actually periods of contraction where there was negative growth or reduction in production. Even before there were any signs of COVID-19, the economy was struggling in some aspects due to other factors. According to the last report of 2019, most countries around the world, countries that Belize trades with, were also experiencing slowdowns in their economies. Some were the result of uncontrollable factors like drought and agricultural disease. Some were the result of tension between other countries. 
The United States and China, for instance, have been taking shots at one another economically. And it's made it more difficult or expensive for everyone else to do trade with either of them. We're having a little squabble with China because we've been treated very unfairly for many, many decades. It should have been handled a long time ago, and it wasn't, and we'll handle it now. The UK had broken up with their longtime friends in the European Union, and it was a messy one. Here's some of how British Prime Minister Boris Johnson explained it. Tonight, we are leaving the European Union. For all its strengths and for all its admirable qualities, the EU has evolved over 50 years in a direction that no longer suits this country. It meant that there had to be whole new agreements for anyone who wanted to continue to do business with either of them. And the EU, in turn, were debating new rules that would protect the interests of their members before worrying about trade with nations outside of their group. Remember that when talking about the GDP, our main takeaway is whether it is expanding or contracting, and by how much. According to the central bank reports, which again are based on information collected by the SIB, Belize's economy expanded by 1.2% in 2017, and then again by 3% in 2018. Here's Prime Minister Dean Barrow describing economic developments in Belize in his budget presentation in March of 2020. The Statistical Institute of Belize reported that Belize's real gross domestic product expanded by 0.3% in 2019, but this was despite the drought, and this was despite the huge downward plummeting with respect to global and regional growth. 0.3% growth for Belize in the circumstances represents nothing short of a small miracle. The economy was still expanding, but just barely. At the end of 2019, we were producing less, manufacturing less, providing less services, and deploying less people. Here's SIB Deputy Director Diana Castillo-Trejo once again. Between April of last year, when we had an unemployment rate of something like 8%, and September of last year, where we had an unemployment rate of a little over 10%, there was an increase in the number of unemployed persons. And so if you have an increase in number of unemployed persons, you can expect some, some slowdown in consumer spending. You'd be forgiven for not realizing what was happening. It can be difficult to understand. It's also a little bit depressing. Not many people want to talk about it. Not even our policymakers. Navigating a complex machine like a national economy requires a sense of optimism. As you heard Prime Minister Barrow suggesting, any sort of growth is something to be celebrated. Here's another economic term you might hear tossed around. Consumer confidence. The people involved in the economy have to believe that things are going to be okay in the end. And policymakers have to get others to believe it as well. Otherwise, there may be a tendency to give in to despair and give up. If people stop trying or lost faith in the process, then trade of any kind stops. The blood stops flowing and the machine dies. So when governments make plans for an economy, they do so with the careful optimism that the machinery will keep churning and things will balance out in the end. Sure, things might go wrong, but here's what could happen if everything goes as planned and everything works the way it's been working so far. Then, 
2020, everything changed. By now, we can assume that you have a general idea of what COVID-19 is. But here's a basic timeline of how quickly the spread happened. In December of 2019, reports started coming out of Wuhan, China, of just how serious their outbreak was. An outbreak they had been trying to manage for nearly a month. By the end of January, it was in India and certain European countries, including the United Kingdom and Italy, one of the worst affected. On February 25th, Brazil reported what many thought was the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in the Americas. It wasn't until much later that we would learn that even before it had arrived in Europe, the virus had likely already been in the United States. By the morning of March 23rd, schools in Belize had already been closed. So it's likely that parents and children alike were watching as the Prime Minister stood at an outdoor podium, not the typical conference room we were used to. I have the very unpleasant duty of announcing this morning that we have our first confirmed case of a Belizean citizen having tested positive for COVID-19. Because this emergency was a health-induced emergency, the economy had to be put on the back burner while health became the priority. The government swiftly put in place a restrictive lockdown on the country that brought most industries to a halt, while refocusing the country's resources into the health system to track and contain the spread of the virus. Director of Health Services, Dr. Marvin Manzanero, tells us about the response from the health department. So in terms of COVID-19, once we were aware that there was something Brewing in China, the surveillance system was activated. And of course, that has been evolving um, up to where we are now. I know that one of the items that we looked at almost immediately was the issue of having a specific hospital that would be specific for COVID-19. So we went initially from Carolusia, for example, having an ICU that had seven beds for the general population to an area right now that has 10 beds with ventilators specific for COVID-19 patients. So within a space of two, three months, we were able to more than double the amount of ventilators that we had at that referral hospital. But what has been the financial impact of the pandemic on the health system so far? Dr. Manzanero tells us. Yesterday's check would indicate that we have spent around $6 million in all the items that we have procured. Not all of them have arrived in country, but the preparation process will continue. Out of that $6 million, around $1.3 million has been received in either donated supplies or in-kind contributions. We don't have the full mapping because there are still items that are pending to be signed, projects that are being rerouted. Dr. Manzanero tells us that the crisis is far from over and a second wave is very much possible. And that is why they're getting ready to continue with operations with COVID-19 on our minds. The spread of COVID-19 caught many countries off guard. Leaders fumbled to do the only thing they could, protect their citizens by closing down travel. The shutdown and quarantine has been a necessary one for every nation. Without it, the loss of life would have been heartbreaking and the long-term effects on the economy 
would have been devastating. Still, the measures for our safety have had an undeniable effect on how our nation earns and spends money, especially since the ones which were the most badly affected are the nations that Belize relies on the most. Well, in terms of imports, by far most, most of our imports come from the United States. Uh, we also import a relatively large amount from China and Mexico. And the things that we import, we import machinery and transport equipment. It's things that we don't produce. Fuel is a big import category, food, items for the commercial free zone, and just various manufactured goods. And then on the export side, our three biggest trading partners would be the UK, the EU as a region, and the United States. And they are the buyers of most of our major exports, sugar, citrus, bananas, petroleum, marine products. Dr. Leroy Almendares is the Executive Director of the Belize Trade and Investment Development Service, Beltrade. They've been keeping a close watch on how the response to COVID-19 has affected the way we do business at home and abroad. So we are in a pandemic-induced recession, which means that we held the economic virus constant and focus on the health of our people. Our measures for ensuring the health and safety of the general public also meant that there would be a slowdown in the things we produce. The general quarantine had some exceptions for essential workers, but there has been a shift in priority. Because of the pandemic, you know, the country then has to focus on food security. Let us see if we can, you know, domestically satisfy the demands of the country. At this point in time, if a country is able to feed itself, that is a big start. So at this point in time, there is not so much focus on exports. COVID-19 has created its own issue. Dr. Philip Castillo is a developmental economist and an assistant professor at the University of Belize. He also spoke with us about the effects on our industries. Belize isn't a closed economy. Belize's economy depends a lot on what happens in our main trading partners. So if our main trading partners, for whatever reason, aren't buying our products, then obviously that affects the amount of money that we are earning. And bear in mind that with COVID now, it wasn't only the USA, it was all our other trading partners. I know that even through the state of emergency, certain agricultural industries could continue production. But you would imagine that with borders closing worldwide, that exporting would be more, more of a challenge and more problematic. Even if Belize's borders remain open to exporting, we export to the USA. That's required that U.S. borders remain open to importing things from Belize. Meanwhile, our small, medium, and micro-businesses were also feeling the pressure. The quarantine measures also meant that certain shops and businesses had to close operations. Dr. Castillo explains the domino effect we are seeing on businesses. Street business came to a halt. The taco vendors on the streets, all those came to a halt. The lack of internal travel means that the bus sector came to a halt. And the economy, for the most part, just closed down. The main hotel in Belmapan, I think, would be Bullfrog. When Bullfrog becomes closed, Several things happen. The people who work at Bullfrog would lose their jobs. Bullfrog would no longer be buying fruits, vegetables, eggs, chicken, etc. from milk from the Bullfrog also buy beers and alcoholic drinks. And so all those wouldn't be purchased. When Placenta is closing down, when San Pedro is closing down, when the big hotels in Belize are closing down, you could see the negative effects of that. And the Statistical Institute predicts that the economic fallout is going to impact more than just the imports and exports of the country. 
in terms of employment, we know that a large number of persons have been let go from their jobs, whether it's temporary or it's permanent or it's indefinite until things improve. You know, we know that there's a large number of persons that are without work now. So all of that together, you can expect that that has an immediate impact on economic performance and just economic activity as a whole. According to professional counselor Amy Jacks, the imminent rise in unemployment and business loss will have a deep effect on mental health. There is a very large connection between mental health and employment when you talk about the family, individuals. Because remember, when you talk about socioeconomic impact on mental health, there are always health disparities. Families who are at the higher edges of the socioeconomic ladder, they tend to have less health disparities or they get more access to health, especially regarding mental health. If you are on the lower end of the socioeconomic ladder, you have issues relating to physical health, which can affect your mental health. Because even things like stress can affect your physical health. So one of the things that has been discussed widely worldwide is how easy it is to have been middle class and gone down to like lower on the socioeconomic status. She says that one of the most pronounced impacts of the economic crisis is taking away the security of people and leaving them vulnerable. And this is now what we're seeing with COVID-19. There is a big change where people who were feeling secure are now going into their savings and unable to maintain a basic lifestyle. So all those people that were living, as we would call it, hand-to-mouth, those people who are just doing catch and kill and those kinds of things, they are now in poverty. So when we look at mental health and employment, you're not just looking at the socioeconomic status, but you're looking at basic needs, how they are being met. And in the case of Belize, the single largest contributor to our GDP and the area responsible for the highest portion of employment is tourism. Here again is Diana Castillo-Trejo of SIB. Even before this happened in September, we know there were a little bit less than 20,000 persons unemployed. About one-third of, of all employed persons are self-employed. Out of this, about 44,000 of these are single-person businesses. That's a person running a little small business out of their house, maybe preparing food or seamstress or something like that. And I think that you can make an assumption that the vast majority of these have not been able to operate, at least for the past few weeks. So there, again, would be a loss in employment in persons who are self-employed. So add to that then the, the number of persons who are employed in tourism, for example. Uh, we estimate about 29,000 persons who are employed in the tourism industry. And they experienced a big loss in the number of employed persons there. So that will add to the, to the unemployed persons for the country. One of those businesses that was thriving in the tourism industry and is now facing the grim reality of COVID-19 travel restrictions is Excite Belize, owned by Tammy Lemus and her husband. They started the business five years ago in San Pedro Town and Burgers Key, offering day tours, real estate, and scuba diving instructions. The business employed nine people as day laborers, and all of them have been let go. Tammy told us that the season was off to a great start, and suddenly everything came to a stop. We shut down March 15th and haven't moved since. And that's not just me, that's every operation here on the island. It's been horrible. Um, it's very sad. We have crew that are, they're hungry. They need to work. 
it's 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 unbelievable that this has happened. I mean, we we obviously have we have day crewed people that work for us that you know they don't plan in advance for this kind of thing. You're in the middle of high season, and it didn't just taper off; it stopped. Everybody's been let go. Um, we don't pay like weekly salaries; they get paid by the day and by the trip that they do. So no trips, no money, no income, no job. The impact was hard felt as well in the village of San Antonio, Cayo. The community was established as an agricultural community and dabbled in the peanut market. In the early 2000s, a recent shift into the tourism industry meant that due to the spread of the pandemic, approximately 100 to 130 members of the community who worked as chefs, masseuses, housekeepers, tour guides, and other occupations suddenly found themselves without work. History teacher and San Antonio village resident Delmer Zib tells us what is happening in his village. This COVID-19 impact was massive to the community today, primarily to the younger generation. We are talking about people that were working in the tourism industry from ages probably 18 to 30, 40. That is the group that is mostly affected by the COVID-19. So these are the people that were sent home. But, Zib tells us, a very important and old community custom is keeping it going. I, I see a sense of security in the village. I don't know if it, I mean, it has to do with the sense of being at home. But it also has to do with the idea that many of these persons, particularly the male heads of the households, have a background in agriculture. So before they went into tourism, or even if they went into tourism directly, they already know that they have a background, at least land where they can do some sort of farming. I do not want to generalize, right? But to an extent, there's that feeling that we still have hope because we still have an access to food. We still have the production of food. Over the past month, I've been hearing a lot of people saying, look, yeah, the economy will, will, will probably crash. We're going to have economic challenges in the future, but at least we're going to have food. He shares with us how the community has responded to the sudden crisis. The community has become united to an extent as a result of the economic shortfalls and as a result of the, of the health threat that COVID-19 is, is putting to our community. So you see a lot more um, vivid community activities where people, particularly to generate funds to give to the, to the poor, people are going all out to help out each other. Sociologist Melanie Smith says that this is an example of how societies respond to crisis. You're going to see changes in terms of how people express solidarity, how people express empathy, the collaboration between people, cooperation, even frugality, what people decide to spend on or to conserve, and their planning, long-term, short-term, medium-term planning takes on a very different way of expression. We're seeing the highlighting of human vulnerabilities and marginalized people. They've always been there, but they've been invisible in society. During time of crisis, these are people that we become concerned about and we start to consider them as one part of our society. According to Smith, we have seen this happening in Belize and all over the world in the increase in collaboration and volunteerism, donations and community building. Another societal trait that crisis has brought out is the value we place in specific types of work. 
if you look at how healthcare workers, there's tributes to them in so many different ways. We start to label what is essential, non-essential workers. People who have worked in the margins of the labor market are now being deemed essential. So all of these things have a lot of symbolism and the value we're placing in them has changed. And while these changes produced by crisis are positive, Smith says that crisis can also cause a competition for resources among people. We see conflict between people emerging, uh, conflict between the people and the state. You think about um, discussions where people are talking about competition, about who's deserving versus who's not deserving, citizen versus non-citizen rights. You start to hear about who should have certain rights over things versus who should have certain privileges over things. If you look at it in, in the context of this pandemic, you start to hear about who should be included, who should be excluded. We start to think of issues of nationalism. Due to the social class conflict and competition for resources, we could be seeing an increase in crime. Let's say that people start to lack access to food, shelter. Then we either see people pooling resources together, helping each other out in the long term, or we go back to a state of nature where life is brutish and short. According to Commissioner of Police Chester Williams, the Belize Police Department is expecting just that. The fact that there are more and more persons who will be left unemployed, that will surely have an economic impact and that will surely translate to criminals trying to take advantage and uh, looking for opportunities to commit crime and particularly property crime. Robberies, burglary, theft and so forth, those are the main type of crime that we foresee. You know, many people do have families to feed and they are now out of work and so they will try to do whatever they need to do to be able to find that income to be able to take care of their families. The Commissioner of Police shared with us that the police department is already putting a plan in place to mitigate that potential spike in criminal activity. As we come to accept that COVID-19 will be part of our lives for the foreseeable future and that the economic fallout is imminent, how will we as a country and as individuals move forward into a future of uncertainty? Melanie Smith tells us that our ability to adapt will be dependent on policy, whether they are decisions that take us back to the way things were or help us find better ways to move forward. Humans are adaptable, we are resilient, we're innovative, but, you know, decisions are made at the national level. And I think it's, it's clearly going to be one of the two issues there, health or economy. Dr. Leroy Almendares says that he is optimistic about the future because of the nature of Belizeans. You know, Belizeans are resilient people. And so Belize is a resilient country. We survived the global financial crisis in 2008. And together, together as a country, as a people, it will take us a while, but as long as we focus and understand that the inconveniences have to be shared by all of us, and all of us make our contribution, thinking country and one key, people. Together we can do this. In our next episode, we will be talking about how those impacts will require us to change the way we do things, and the way younger and future generations will have to adjust as well. Today's show was written by Andre Marsden with contribution from Ingrid Furlow. Special thanks to Diana Castillo-Trejo of the Statistical Institute of Belize, history teacher Delmer Zib, Dr. Leroy Almendares, Executive Director of Beltrade, Director of Health Services, Dr. Marvin Manzanero, Sociologist Melanie Smith, Professional Counselor Amy Jex, and Commissioner of Police Chester Williams. 
Special thanks also to Dr. Philip Castillo, who's performing research of his own on this topic for the University of Belize, and is currently working on a publication. And special thanks to Tame Lemus of Excite Belize as well. Excite Belize is now offering a social distancing boat cruise, with less guests and more space. We also want to note that the newest figures from the SIB comes out at the end of May. Music for the show comes from Blue Dot Sessions and Gilman Mom. If you enjoyed today's show, feel free to reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook as The Gray Spaces and on Twitter as Spaces Gray. And now you can find our show on iTunes and Google Podcast and subscribe for regular updates straight to your listening device. Simply search for The Gray Spaces and be sure to subscribe. I've been your host, Andre Marsden, and you've been listening to The Gray Spaces.